Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Blake Hawkins Trommenhauser. Blake, welcome. Thank you for having me, Graham. It's great to have you here. So you've been here in Singapore for what, four years now? Almost four years, yes. Yeah, but... Obviously, you're not originally from here. Where are you from? Uh, America, originally. California, Southern California, is where I was born, but I lived yeah. all over America. Many where where were you born in Southern California? La Jolla. It's oh, okay. called La Jolla. Nice. Yeah, that... yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Right on the coast. Yeah. 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 It's a nice part of the world. But you've been around as well. I mean, you <laughs> yes. know, in a good way. You've spent time out in Asia as well. So I did. where else have you sort of been based? So other than America, all over America, I was in New York. I was in Boston. I was in the U.S. military. I said that... Um, when I was there, I spent time in Korea. Mm. Um, and then since I've been out in Singapore, I did a lot of work in Japan and Hong Kong and, and obviously throughout Singapore. Vacation-wise, all over. All over. You've got to. <laughs> I mean, if you live in Asia, you've got to do it, haven't you? you got to. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk about Janius, which is uh, your new startup. Yep. Your new project. And we're going to talk about the why behind it. Yes. What the problem is that we're trying to solve. And also, you know, where we go from here. Because this is a very early stages as well. You've got a really yes. interesting background. I think it's interesting to throw in. You were a captain. I was. Yes. Yeah. In yes. the Air Force. I. I. Yes. Yeah. How cool <laughs> is that? It was good. It was fun. Yeah. It was a long, long time to get there, but it was good. Yeah. yeah. You were. Um, I mean, a lot of what you did, both in the military world and outside, was to do with risk, wasn't it? Yes. Identifying and managing risk. That's what the world is. Right. Is risk. The world is risk. It is. Right. That sounds like a Strat 4 type sort of <laughs> explanation, doesn't it? The world is risk. And here are the three reasons. Okay. Yes. So what do you mean by that? Uh, so, I mean, everything. You think about the financial sector, you think, I mean, life is risk, right? And so mm. risk is reward. The more risk, potentially the more reward, but also potentially the loss. Right. Um, when I was in the U.S. Air Force, I did war games. So mm. that's all about managing the risk and what you can do and, and attrition and things like that. Um, and we did it more from the system side. Uh, and then as a recruiter in the Air Force, you know, it's, you know, who can we bring on? Right. What's the risk with them? You know, their background, what, how far can we swing that pendulum to get the numbers we need versus the quality that we have and not deter that. And then back when I went to work at EY, um, or even when I worked for a hedge fund, Millennium, you know, it's all about risk. Right. Um, I mean, like I say the world's risk, but it is because when you wake up, it's like, okay, am I going to go and drive really fast or am I going to drive the speed limit? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of risk that you would associate with the military, for example, yes. and the modeling, identifying risk, is yes. that applicable to the world of business? I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a yes. startup founder. I don't necessarily think of myself in military terms on a daily basis. You know, so you don't have any sort of threats? Well, obviously. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you do have threats. Yeah, right. Okay, but right. I don't think... Okay. Do so strengths? Maybe. Weaknesses? Yeah. Right? Same thing, just like a military. Um, right. The difference would be like how they get their funding, yeah, um, and and how that money's allocated. And you hear about the the waste and and all that spending. So that is a little different. So the, yeah. their their goals are a little different. Obviously, they're you know war fighters, but in general, the Air Force, the Marines, the Army, the Navy, they're actually training. Uh, the government, then there's another part of the military that actually goes to war. So they're actually in the job to equip and train people. Right. And so as a business owner, that's kind of what you're also doing too, right? You're training your people, you're equipping them to do the job, which is to, for for us, it's to do interviewing, you know, video interviewing, things like that. Right. Uh, for you, it's to run this amazing show. Right. Okay. Uh, and so. what the, the point about risk as well, yeah. I mean, let's sort of dive into that in Please. the recruitment terms. Yes. So Huge risks. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. we recruit. Every decision is a risk because you don't know until they start the job, whether or not that was the right decision. And you that's still don't huge, know. 
Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Until and, they leave, you don't know how bad a risk it is. And that's the challenge, yeah. isn't it? Especially, I mean, you know, once somebody's into the business, there's the added risk as well of, you know, they're here now. Now you've got to deal with them. Mate, what happens if they're the wrong person? How that affects the culture and so on, the time. Yes. And you as a founder as well, you know, you are sucked into that sort of relationship and you have to make that work. Yes. And if it's the wrong person, that could be months and months. We don't have that sort of time as startups as well. Yeah. So I totally get it when it comes to recruitment and risk. Yes. So, you know, let's dive into the pitch Please. deck. Yeah, yeah, And this I'll, is what it's about. Yes, it is. Um, ultimately, to, you know, summarize what the problem is, that interviewing sucks. Right. Right. And it all kind of strives from there. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Let's start, at, yeah. let's start at the top. Interviewing okay. sucks. Let's talk about it. Okay. So interviewing sucks for a couple of reasons. Uh, and think about it. It's a two-sided process, right? Just like this conversation, mm. there's two sides, right? You're coming from one angle and come from the other. So if we kind of break that down into candidates and clients mm. um, or companies, right? For them, the recruiting, you know, the recruiting process and the interviewing in general stinks because they have to do a lot of it. They're sifting through a lot of it. Right. And then they're trying to find a fit. Right. And, and some of the problems with that is that they might go into the situation and have the wrong information. Right. So I've when I've done hiring, um, sometimes you go into that interview and you're looking at a job description and you talk to the person. They're perfect at that job description, but they're not right for the job. Right. They, they, the job description might be inaccurate. Mm. Right. Like I've actually talked myself out of a job from the other side. Right. right. I was an internal auditor. I went out there and it realized they actually needed a vendor risk person. Right. And that happens. You don't realize that until you talk to people and realize what the market has and what skills are out there. Mm. So I think that's a problem for them. Right. And the only way you're going to get to that is to actually talk to people. Mm. So you have an HR person sitting there with a job description given to them by somebody else. They're trying to hire for that position. Right. So they don't really even necessarily know about that job. Uh, they just are talking to someone. And they know about people mm. and they know about the company culture and they know about that fit. They don't necessarily know about that job description. So I think that's where their strengths can be highlighted is, OK, we're talking to people and we want to find out about this person. Are they a fit for the company? Yeah. You know, at this point, there's only so much you can get from the introductory interview, but you can at least try to understand, is this someone I want to talk to again or not? Mm. Right. And that's where I want to get companies to in that introductory interview. Do I want to talk to this person again or not? Do I want to follow up with them? Right. right? From the candidate side, interviewing stinks for, again, multiple reasons. Uh, one of them is you're not used to it. It's a lot like dating, right? The first time you go on a date or you've only been on one or two dates in your life, it's very nerve wracking. Yeah. You're trying to sell yourself. Right, right. You're trying to yeah, understand you're, the other person. You're editing everything you're saying as <laughs> exactly. well, right? Exactly. Yep. And you're editing it wrong usually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the more you do it, I'm not saying you should out there and interview ton, you know, tons of dates, right. but you should definitely try to get used to it. And, and, and that's the same thing with interviewing. Mm. It's a skill set. Just like what you do, and this is your job, a lot of people mm. who come on here probably aren't very comfortable with this because it's a skill set you start to learn. And, and the better you get at it, the more you practice. Right. And so for candidates, I think their problem with interviewing is they walk into it and they might only do a couple interviews in their life if they're, if they're fortunate, right? And that's not very good practice, hmm. right? So we want to get them more interviews and actually be able to talk to people and kind of learn more about themselves and also learn about how to interview, hmm. right? Like when you walk in and what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, gonna, the first time you answer it, it's going to be a little, little rough. But as you start to answer that more and you get asked it more, the better answers come along, right? So that's kind of, I think, how we can improve it for both sides and right. why it both stinks right now um, because candidates, they don't get very much practice. Uh, they, they're very nervous going into it. And then companies, you know, they also don't get much practice, but they're kind of coming from perspective of, you know, I have a job description. I'm trying to fill this one position. Well, that's where robots can do all that. Like, it's not about the job description. It's about the people. Mm -hmm. And that's where we come in and we try to add this video interviewing component that makes it much more of this kind of conversation. Got it. Right. Yeah. So interviewing is yes. broken. Yes. Right. You have a better solution out there. Correct. Let's have a look at that. So is your solution... 
a an optimized version of interviewing or are you s doing it in a different way entirely? Uh, I would say we're doing it about 5% different than what's out there. So it's 95% right. similar to what you kind of see now in different components, Yeah. right? We're trying to bring a lot of those components together and then as they come together, they create this new beast, if you will, Yeah. right? Um, I want to globalize talent identification also. One of the problems is it's very localized now, right? So you go and interview, you're interviewing only locally. As someone who's come from America over here, there's really only three ways to do that. You send your resume off to the black hole of resumes and yeah. you're never going to get a response. Good luck. You use a professional social network and you get lucky and know someone that happens to know a position where you want to go, or you get company transferred. Mm. Right. And I'm trying to create kind of a fourth option here that you can be setting in, let's say, London and interview for jobs in Singapore and not have to fly to Singapore. Mm. Right. These are jobs that you'd be qualified for, that you've been selected for, filtered out and you attend the conference just like you would a physical career fair or a physical trade show. Yeah. Just like you're having coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and so I'm trying to do that, virtualize that in a, in a better way. Right. Well, that's a really interesting point because we're going to come to that in a minute. Yeah. We're yeah. setting our all the, you know, selling out our stall at the moment, the meta trends as well. So we're going to come to that. We're yeah, going to talk about the meta trends in recruitment mm -hmm. because where we are in Singapore, this is really relevant, isn't it? Because Singapore now is an option for a lot of people like coming from yeah. the US or from Europe or other places in Asia as well. Now, a lot of talent is moving here and it's a hub for talent. Whereas, you know, in the past, it was a bit of a, a risky option. Now mm -hmm. it's like, you know, a number one. It's a de facto for people if you want to get to fintech or you want to get into certain areas. So yeah. we'll go there. We don't want to sort of like shoot off all our content. <laughs> Let's go back into the pitch deck. <laughs> so we've identified the problem. Hiring takes too long. You've got some interesting data yes. here. I just want to, you know, if you are listening along on the audio version, maybe we can just kind of talk through some of the Definitely. points here. So you say here is that 53% of job seekers will reject an offer if it takes more than eight weeks. Does, does hiring take more than eight weeks? In well, where, if you look at the second line, right. uh, the hiring actually right now takes an average of 30 to 68 days. So yeah. again, interviewing sucks. And what that results in, for example, is longer times to, to hire people because you can't find the right people. And once you find someone, there's kind of this FOMO of there's, you know, missed opportunities. And so you, you talk to them, they're fine, but you go to the next person, go to the next person because there's too many choices out there. So right now the hiring takes these between 30 and 60, I think eight days is what it says on yeah. there, um, and which has actually like doubled since technology. All this new technology has actually made it longer because mm, you have why? more. You have more choices, oh. right? And so again, it's that FOMO of I've got so many choices. Well, this is this one's good, but there's probably a better one if I just wait a yeah, little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out the real good ones that are that are actually good, they find something else, right? Mm. Or they're just tired of you taking too long. So what we can do is when you talk to them, you're actually doing an introductory interview with them. Right, that's at the conference. So that time before the conference, where you've registered, you posted a job, and all that, and we'll talk about the that more. But mm. that is kind of on us, right? So they haven't really made true contact with you yet. So the clock really starts when you talk with them. Right. So what is that? A face-to-face -face video face interview. Face-to-face video. Right. Interview. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I can talk about the solution. And yeah, kind of like we've got. Genius. We've got. Yeah, I've put it up here. So this is the product itself. So how does it actually work? Let's say we go you... back one. If you go back one, yep. just, um it'll kind of give you some insight into the process. So what we're doing is we're basically taking everything from the search all the way through the introductory interview and putting on one platform, okay? Mm. So uh, the, the basic concept is just like trade shows and why you're having your career fair and why those work is because you allocate this time so people can actually come to it, right? Mm. Now they were gonna come to it virtually. But let's say next week we had a conference, an IT Singapore conference, right? Geography and location specific. I'm tired of going looking for jobs in Singapore and it turns out they're in Jakarta. It turns out mm. they're in Dubai or something, right? Like it's all about the location, the geography, uh, and the industry. So let's say it's IT in Singapore. Um, you would then go on to the conference. You're looking to hire. Mm. You would then register for the conference just like any other trade show and you'd post the jobs. Right. right? So this is – back up a little bit. This Please. is not a recruitment conference. This is a 
IT conference in Singapore. This, yeah, or it could be a IT conference in London, or it could right. be a finance conference in Tokyo. Right, but it's not a recruitment conference. It's just a conference. Yeah, it's, it, well, it's a job fair. For or it's a job fair. Okay, right. Right? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a job fair. Uh, it's just one of those things where people get confused when we try to talk about job fairs or conferences. And so that's why I try trade shows tends right. to be the better analogy. Yeah. Um, but typically at a conference, a career conference, you know, just like you guys haven't Companies are there, candidates come in, and they look at the different companies, they walk up to booths, and they talk to you for a couple right. minutes, right? And then typically, when I worked at EY and did this, or even when I was in the military and did this, uh, you basically make a little mark, you set the resume down, and you decide, do we follow up, or yeah. do we put it in the bin? Yeah. Uh, those... And you forget who they were, and yeah. they forget who you were, right? Exactly. Right. Uh, so with this, um, it's taking that experience, this experience, this kind of face-to-face, if you will, even though mm. virtually, and, and putting it... In, in this in this market, right? In a mm. very more efficient way. So you go, you post jobs, you set interviewers. So the three of you could be established as interviewers mm. uh, during the conference. Let's say you post three jobs, you each assign yourself a job. Candidates then come on, they're notified within the system. They come on, they register for the, the jobs. They apply to interview. I don't like to say apply for the job. They're applying to interview and talk to you about the job. Yeah. Because you might actually have another job that you're that they might be a better fit for. You mm. don't know. But anyways, they're applying to interview for this particular job. Um, if they get scheduled for that job, that means that they've you know met the criteria and they've been racked and stacked and kind of scheduled for it. Mm. You then log in about a day before the conference and you can look at the people you've been scheduled to interview, as can your other interviewers. And then you can decide, do I want to talk to them again or not? Like, mm. do I, I'm sorry, do I want to talk to them or not? Are they a fit? You know, from a, they're just a yep. resume. And then you can say, nope, yep, nope. So right. you can eliminate people that you don't want to talk to. Um, with that, there is a feature that we're adding that's biased or unbiased interviewing, which is something big in America. Um, I don't know how. Right, based on what they look like and yeah, who exactly. they are. So, so, yeah. so there's a feature that, that, that can be enabled where the interviewer won't be able to see their name or picture until the interview starts. Right. So companies can actually go and say, you know what? Nope, not a good fit, not a good fit. Yeah. And they're doing that based on just the resume, not on the look of the person yeah. or their name. Um, so they can say, nope, not a good fit. And then we rerun the algorithm a couple times before the conference to try to get people that have applied. Everyone had to apply for this particular job, mm. schedule them for the interview, right? You log into the conference. Um, you have your list of scheduled interviews. You start the interview. It's a video interview. Mm. Let's say it's, these are 20-minute interviews. We can make them different lengths. Let's say 20-minute interviews. You do that 20-minute interview. You can set questions internally. You have a conference notes, candidate notes, whatever you want to do, which allows people later to follow up or yourself to follow up and remember that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do that interview, that face-to-face kind of interview. At the end, you then rate mm. them right, mm. for your inter- inter- internal purposes. They also rate you. So this is something that doesn't exist right now is there's no way for you as a hiring manager or as an HR staff to know if your interviewers are doing their job, mm. right? Are you losing good people because of bad interviewers? Interesting, yeah. Um, and it's recruiters don't work for the candidates. So if there's a bad interview, they're not going to tell you that that was yeah. a bad interview, yeah. right? They're going to say it's not a cultural fit or, you know, that's, that's just the position that they're in. Uh, so, so what we can do, though, is we can take that information and say, okay, the feedback over the last 10 interviews maybe is this. You have mm. three interviewers. On average, uh, this person is lower than them, but they're maybe above the average across the entire system. Mm. And we can look at that. And, and so companies can then go and say, okay, you're, you know, maybe we need additional training. Mm. Maybe we need to sit down with you and find out why. I mean, with it, the actual recruiter within the company. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. With the HR department. Yeah. So if you're if you're the HR manager, yeah. you can then see, okay, my staff, these three staff are doing really good. They're you know average or above when it comes mm. to the feedback. This one's not. Why is that? They might yeah. be more a junior person, or they might be someone senior and set in their ways. Well, they just might not be a nice person. They might not. Right. I wasn't going to say it, but yes. Right, I'm calling I've it. Been... I'm <laughs> saying what you can't say, right? But that's the reality, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, it, 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 that's the reason why you're putting people face to face is to see what, how they get on as well, where yes. that chemistry is there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
and companies lose good people because yeah, of bad interviewers. Absolutely. And there's no system out there right now that allows them to effectively know yeah. who's not up to par, and then they can implement these other trainings yeah. and stuff to try to make them better. Yeah. Uh, so we're adding that piece. So at the end of that interview, you do your rating, they do theirs, you now have their information, right? So from a revenue model, and we'll get to the revenue mm. model, but um, you've paid to register for the conference just like they would for any other career fair, and then you pay per interview right now. Mm. So so just, Blake, yeah. can I stop you one minute? Please. One thing that I, I want to know is why yeah. why does this have to take place at a conference? Couldn't this just happen outside of the conference? If we're doing like video interviews, we're not actually physically together face-to-face. -face. Okay. Why are you doing a career fair? Right. Be oh, well, it's because face-to-face, face, yeah. Yeah, but this is face-to-face. -face. Right, it's right. It's video. It's face-to-face -face or video. And right. But, but why, this, why does it have to take place in an event? That's why I'm asking. Because um, surely you could do this anytime anyway, right? Yeah, you could. Um, but the reality is that th it adds more value to it. And as a recruiter or as yeah. an HR department, because this is both for recruiters and HR departments, you have a lot of jobs to do every day. Mm. Right, you're maybe you're you're doing some payroll stuff. Mostly, you're dealing with problems and people who are Absolutely. not up to par. Yeah. Um, so your recruiting time is limited. Right. Right. Okay. So and you're trying so to compress it into this. Compress right. it yeah, and gotcha. say, you know what? Set aside yeah. two hours on Thursday afternoon to do recruiting, and you can talk to twelve people or whatever. Right. Yeah. Depending on the conference. Um, and so you can set it aside. Right. It, there's too many choices. Again, the phone. There's too many times during your day that you can do some recruiting. You yeah. can go on LinkedIn and surf and do all this. And you're not doing it because you're busy doing these other things. Mm. So if it's in your calendar, it's a hard time, then you can say, you know what? I'm attending this conference. And you can do it from anywhere. You can do it from getting ready to get on the plane. You can do it from you know your office. You can do it from the restroom for all I care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't do it. There. It might not be great for the ratings, but <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, cool. Gotcha. All right, so we understand the solution and yep. the platform itself. Let's talk a little. We'll come on to the Please. revenue model. Let's yeah, talk yeah. a little bit about the meta trends because I think this is important. Yes. There's a couple of slides here in the pitch deck which I'll flash up, and again, we'll talk through if you're listening yeah, on the audio. So the market size itself and the the meta trends, the why now that you've put up here. Market size, you've talked, I mean, obviously we're based here in Singapore, yep. um, where your, your company's based as well. I mean, obviously this is global, as we said, this could be yes. as equally appropriate to a company in New York recruiting for Singapore and so on. Um, but there's also this, this sort of challenge now which is that for example where we are in singapore i see a lot of talent coming here to singapore now yes. i mean you've been here four years i've been here six months right there's a lot of people now of a particular age as well in mm -hmm. their career who have experience who are coming here um, into singapore or they may be going to hong kong for example even now people choosing places like bangkok as an option if you're yeah. in like blockchain or fintech for yeah. example um, but people are moving to Asia. So you have that issue where we can't have an interview in the normal circumstances. And I'm only looking at a CV, which is not necessarily standardized, like we talked about the, the globalized yes. aspect of it. So can we talk a little bit about this, Please. the trends and challenges for HR in 2018? The yep. market is changing. The, the landscape is challenged. The expectations are changing. You've talked about that people drop out because it takes too long and the process is getting longer and longer. Add to that the globalized aspect of yes. it. You know, companies like Stripe here in Singapore are recruiting God knows how many data scientists, right, for their new center. So what's going on? Yeah, so um, a couple things. One, this is a globalized platform, right? The idea is to globalize talent identification. So yes, we're starting in Singapore, but the idea is to be able to expand rapidly. Like from a technology perspective, that's really easy. It's more people perspective, the, the marketing, sales, things like that. Um, the globalization, though, requires, you know, people that don't know they want to go there, but they want to check it out. 
Mm. Right? Like if you're a data scientist setting in Denver, Colorado, and someone's saying, oh, Singapore is great. What are you going to do? You going to search the job boards and send off some resumes? Right? It wouldn't be much better to be able to go and see who's actually actively looking for data scientists in Singapore. Right? Well, there's a conference this week. I'm going to go on and see who's who. There's five right. different data scientist jobs at three different companies. Um, and so right now, commoditization of candidates is, is taking place, right? So there's no difference between a, a candidate and an orange. Mm. So I think adding some value to candidates also, like you put your resume up on LinkedIn, there's everyone just goes and searches and then they kind of filter them out, right? I want to add a little value to that so we're not a jobs database, right? So if we look at like the first one, the challenging recruitment and retention landscape, I think one of the problems in the challenging recruiting is there's too much information when you go to a jobs database. You just, mm. you put a filter in and you run through it and then you're like, okay, here's a hundred. Now what do you do? Right. And, and if you just took 50 of those and threw them in the trash, it's just as effective as the other things. Right. 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 You get a monkey on the case, right? Exactly. Just picking them out. So. so so I think it's a very challenging environment because there's so much information. Mm. Um, and what we can do to eliminate that is, is that's where the computers, I think, can add a lot of value. The algorithms and everything can add a lot of value getting it down to a more select Right. Group. Um, so I think that's some of the challenges with the, with the first one up there. Um, and so if you're sitting in, you know, like I said, sitting in Denver and you want to come to Singapore, you go and you search the job boards and there's 50 different data scientist jobs out there. Which ones are actually actively looking for people and are mm. willing to talk to you about it? You know, and depending on where you are in your career, you might be a perfect fit for some of them. But there's no effective way to do that right now. So mm. I'm trying to improve that. So I think that'll hopefully for help. For the candidate. For the Definitely for the candidate. Yeah. And then for the company. I mean, a better candidate. And a better, you know, qualified candidate and a better fit is better for the company. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Especially uh, when you involve geography because to get them over the timelines, the cost, yes. everything. And so we're trying to do everything up to the introductory interview. After that point, I want to be kind of agnostic when it comes to different mm. ATSs or recruiting management systems or HR systems. Like, I just want to get you to that point where you decide, do I want to follow up with this person again or not? Because mm. that, to your point, is other – there's other systems out there. There's Hangouts, there's whatever, all these other video systems you can do to follow up. But that's an hour of your time that's going to take you a week or two to schedule, mm. figure out when that works. But if someone you know you like and that you think they're a fit, that's worth it. Right. The problem is you're doing that for all these people that aren't worth it and that yeah. you don't want to necessarily follow up. So you waste that hour after scheduling them for the week and a half. Uh, so I think that's an issue. Mm. Can um, we, we talk please. as well about the candidate? And you, you said a good candidate, the right fit is good for the company as well. Yes. I, I don't know if it's a meta trend. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it being yeah. so long in the industry is that I'm finding now that talent, if we can call it, you know, yeah. people who are out there in the market and very much different to the days when I left university and it's like, right, you just take this job because that's all you're going to be given, right? Yeah. The market has changed in like 20, 30 years. Now people are saying, I want to work for this company because I like the company. You know, they look at the company culture. They, they find out about the founders. They want to know what the mission is. They want to look at the office. They want to see what the environment is and their policies and all these kind of things. People are now making decisions based on, do I like this company? Yep. You know, rather than, oh, this would be really good for my career, you know, in the sense that it's a blue chip company or a big established name. Yeah. They're saying this is a great environment for me and I like the people. So having a face to face interview at that early, early stage, you know, if I'm sitting here with you and, you know, I'm the recruiter and you're the candidate, you're saying, well, yeah, no, I like this guy and I like what they're saying and th their sort of attitude and. Mm -hmm. That seems to be something that's missing from, you know, just looking at the standard jobs board, right? Yes. Um, and the way the industry is going right now, um, there's a lot of companies that do recorded video, right? The, which 
it kind of creeps me out to be honest with you. Um, I don't think you should lose. What more do you mean by recorded? Like pre-recorded? Yeah, like as in they send you questions and you uh, record a video and you answer the questions. Right. Um, I don't think you should lose more than one job because of a bad interview question answer. Because what they're doing is they're taking that video and passing it around the company. Then. Yeah. Right. So what there could be another job that was open in the company that maybe you were fit for that they're not even going to talk to you now. Right. And and also it's you don't get this dynamicness. Yeah. Right. So it's no different than but a what chat is line. that? It's. But you can say that's biased though, right? Because you know. Yeah, there is. It, right. Here's default questions, but I think it's it's one of those things where you, you aren't getting a very effective initial communication, right. and that's where this live video comes in. Because I've been I've done multiple interviews where I walk in there and I have a set of questions. These are the four questions I'm going to ask. You ask the first one, and they do such a great job of that first one that they've already answered the other two. Right. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you can just skip ahead, and you can start talking more about the last one. Or what about you? Like, mm. tell me about your and, and kind of understand and you can kind of feel that out. And I feel mm. like a good, just like a good host, yeah. you can kind of feel the person out and kind of see if you want to kind of keep going. Mm. Um, and you can't do that with this recorded video. Right. And what if someone answers the question really bad? I've also been in interviews where I've gone in and asked them a question. They did it really bad. And then I kind of rephrased it and they got it. Yeah. Right. To expect everyone to understand, you know, it's just like standardized testing. There's a well, there you go. I mean, that's the subject. It, right? well, yeah. I mean, a lot of voices now saying, "Is this the right way to go?" Right. You know, standardized testing. And this is it's become standardized hiring. Yeah. And um, if this was just a system you were buying, okay. But this is a person that you want to bring on, mm. right? This is someone that you want to have next to you at the water cooler to talk with, or you know, you want to have down down the hall. This isn't a robot. This is a person. And unfortunately, it's it's hard to kind of do this AI and all these chatbots and everything mm. and really understand a person unless you're someone talking to them. Right. AI is not to that point yet. Right, and I don't know if it's going to be for a while, but it's not there. You, right. It's hard to it's hard for AI to read someone. Like they have, you know, Absolutely. you're lying or you're, you know, you're sad or you're happy, but why? Like you could be sad because you know you maybe delayed getting in and you're late for the interview, so you're sad. Yeah, or just haven't had my coffee. Yeah, yeah exactly. we don't know, right? So, but th th this Please. is, I mean, my yeah, yeah. my background is that I'm an AI graduate. I graduated in AI, and obviously now different to 1995. Like AI is in vogue, right? Yeah. But you know what's interesting is that. Applying AI to these kind of processes is, I think that people say, okay, you can do, you can have AI to make all the decisions for us. But at the end of the day, AI should do the heavy lifting and then yes. deliver that to a human being who can then say, okay, right, this is where it should be. And the reason why I'm, I'm sort of going down this route is because, because of your background, I mean, mm -hmm. you've dealt with risk and yes. complex variables and systems across many, many thousands of different interest i mean you take yeah. the military we won't go into the, the nature of what you did but you know where you have risk in that sort yes. of context isn't sort of you know the the goal of that is to take the human being out of it the decision making such that you know you don't have those sort of that that one guy who makes that one decision which just then impacts everything yep so it seems like what did you learn from all of this a risk in hedge funds is the same right you know yes. you could say we can take the human being out of this we just have an algorithm trading this thing we're in right so why do we need humans yeah, and bring this thing. down to the process? Who makes those algorithms? People, right? Who develops those systems still today? Who makes the AI? People. Like the AI, ultimately AI will get to the point where it's making decisions without people. Mm. That's what AI is supposed to be. It's not really effectively there yet. Um, but in, in finance, for example, like there is algorithms. There's quant traders out there and they're very effective until the second quant is out there and then it's half as effective. Hmm. Right. So they need good people who are smart people who think outside the box to come up with the next thing. Right. And so these systems and in finance, what you can do, though, is you can say, you know what, there's a lot of risk here. 
Um, but we can do some things to mitigate that risk, right? That's basically what my entire job as internal auditor was identifying these things and understanding how risk is mitigated, is it done effectively or not? Mm. So what you can do is you can add multiple people, right? This four eyes concept of having checks and balances, right? right? Like the U.S. government, we're supposed to have that where we have these checks and balances and things. Uh, Most governments have that and most companies have that. Um, I think that's because when you go and you start developing software, there's bugs, there's problems. Software gets hacked. People technically get hacked, you know, social engineering, things like that. But when you start to put these controls in place, it can be just as effective, right? And sometimes you don't need to spend weeks and months and years developing a software to do something that someone can just do, Mm. right? That's why, I mean, software is still expensive. AI is a lot more expensive. So like it's much cheaper to hire someone. So if you hire someone, now how do you make sure that person is actually becoming effective and not breaking the rules? That's where Mm. controls come in. Right, and so that's how you mitigate risk. Right, you mitigate risk controls, and then you have these key controls that if they break, and then ultimately, if you're in a situation where you need to be audited, that's where auditors come in and they ensure kind of are these controls effective. Mm. And I think it's a very good place, and it's it's, it's a good system. Um, when you start putting people out of the loop and you put just computers in there, it can work really well in lots of situations. But where it doesn't work well is interacting with people. Right, because we've got millions of years of evolutionary yes. experience there. And that's yes. not going to go away. Yeah. And I think the gut, I, I don't, I, bias is very bad, but yeah. I don't think a gut instinct is always right. bad. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where kind of the line is, right? Like, exactly. You need to be unbiased when it comes to that. Like, you base someone, you know, on their skills, based on their accomplishments, based on that kind of thing, and how well you think they'll fit in with the culture. Mm. That's not a bad thing that someone maybe isn't a fit. That's okay. Mm. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to be biased by, to say someone's not a good fit here. Mm. Um, and I think your gut instinct is, is important. I mean, like yeah, you said, absolutely. millions of years of evolution absolutely. have it, led to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> what we grew up on. And as well, I mean, you talk about checks and balances, yes. four eyes, all, you know, that with gut instinct. Makes absolute sense. Yes. And I think, you know, especially now, if you bring it back, I mean, we'll go into the, the revenue model in a minute, but bring it back to that point about candidates now want to have an insight into a company and they will get that. They'll make a gut instinct judgment yes. on that company based on who just sat across the table from me. You know, if that, like you said, with those, those feedbacks, if that person doesn't give them the good vibe, they walk away from that. You know, that's millions of dollars of marketing just flushed down the pan, right? Yes. You know, if you think, I mean, we've read so much about people like Zappos and how much they invest in corporate culture and how much that is down to even the person at the front desk when that person walks into the company. That is your brand, right? You know, how important that is. So now we're in an era of employer branding, right? And how (laughs) companies are investing millions in employer branding because that is the future of marketing. And I like what you're doing because it now gives candidates the opportunity to, to assess companies Yes. In that sense, based on gut, gut instinct. Before that, it was just like, as you say, the black hole of resumes. There you go. See you later. Yeah. But if I sat across the table with somebody, I thought, actually, I had 20 minutes face-to-face interview with Blake, and I thought he's a really good dude, and I'd like to find out more about him and his company. That is, you know, worth how much in marketing dollars? And I'm not sort of blowing smoke up your, your backside here. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like I'm, I'm a true believer yeah. in the future of this as a marketing strategy. Yes. Well, I think I think it is. I think because, like you said, you, you spend all this money on marketing and you go out there. You don't get a lot of feedback. Even when the person walks in the door, do you ask them, hey, how was the secretary, right? right? If they don't take the job, then you ask, right? Like, oh, well, you know, how are they? Hear everyone, whether they do – follow up or not, we're asking them their feedback. And then we can aggregate that. Because I think one data point is irrelevant, Hmm. right? Two starts to form a line, three is a trend. But when we can actually do this across not just your company, but multiple companies, multiple geographies, multiple Hmm. industries, that's really where we can start having a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? Um, and to your point, I don't want to go off, but to your point about spending all this money, I think the way companies go to market right now isn't very effective use of money. They are doing a shotgun blast. You know, for example, say a Java developer. Uh, you want to hire a Java developer. Every Java developer in the world is technically a candidate for you, and you shoot out the shotgun to mm. get them. And the reality is, if you're an SME or you know small, medium enterprise, you aren't going to get the same person that's going to Google, right? Like, so why are you spending money to target that mm. person? Mm. So we're we are trying to also flip it on its head, and that's where the network, and that's why, for example, the career fair model comes in, is that companies can come together and they can kind of recruit together. Hmm. Right. That's okay that someone's talking to me and you and them. They're doing it anyways. So why lie yourself about right. it? You know, have a venue where you're you actually can come to it. They can talk to you. They can talk to other people. And maybe you'll get candidates that didn't even know that you existed hmm. or that were not really interested. But hey, it's 20 minutes of their time. Let's do this interview. Let's see how let's see how it goes. Um, so, yeah. How do you make money out of it? Let's All talk right. about that. The money, the important part. Yeah, um, let's talk about it. Show me the money. Where are we? <laughs> so if we go, I'll jump forward Please. to slide eight. Yeah. Because you have the uh, the revenue model here. Mm-hmm. Paper use for the clients? Yes. That's the model right now is the paper right. use. Um, we are still pre-alpha. We'll see how it goes. A lot of companies go subscription. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of hesitant with the subscription model. I think it can have some value. If, if for a company, it's great if you don't use it. Mm. But as a for for me, it'd be great if you paid for it. It's like a gym; you pay for it and you don't yeah, use it. That's right. how they do You rely business. on that model, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the fact. So that, yeah. yeah, I would rather much more of a model that you actually pay for what you use, yeah. and that makes us a better company because we have to make sure that you use it more, right? And then you can actually, you know, you buy coins. It's not mm. cryptocurrency. I don't. It's not right for us, but it's kind of internal to the system. You know, you'd be able to go and spend X amount of money and get X number of coins, and that would allow you to register for conferences, hmm. allow you to do the interviews, and then also there's a sponsorship option, just like any sort of trade show or, or conference. Gotcha. And would there be um, a business model in selling the data, or because you, know, you talked about you know like cross industry benchmarking? I think I think long term, yes. Obviously, yeah. that information would have to be aggregated and and get rid of all the identity and everything. So. That's what every tech company nowadays is a data company. Yeah. I hate to say it, but like that's the truth. That's and if, the reality. if yeah. you're not a data company, you're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, now, what you do with that data is important. So uh, for me, candidate data is super important. Uh, like, for example, we have a feature where you can actually hide information from an interview. So let's say you speak a certain language, um, but you're interviewing in a country they don't speak that language. You can just not show it. Hmm. Right, and so it doesn't show up when you actually show your profile. Right. Uh, maybe a certain, maybe you had a certain certificate that's not relevant to this conference. You cannot show that, right? So those kind of information there. So you won't see people's profile until they apply for an interview. Yeah. So I think that data is important. So because even though we're going to be a data company like every other tech company, I still think data is very important and hmm. making sure that it's not you can't identify any of it. Hmm. Right. You don't know who that person is, um, and it's aggregated. Right? I can't just give you one particular person or one particular small set. It has to be large enough that you don't know who that is or where they are. Mm. Um, and I think once you do that, then it becomes kind of relevant, right? Your information is already out there. Yeah, right? absolutely. What about for the candidate? Do, yeah. they get, do they get data fed back to them? Uh, hopefully, yes. Right. And, and That's I hope, the plan. The plan, though, is to hopefully bring that back more in training. Right. And that's some, whether we do it as a service, as a free service or maybe a paid for kind of service um, would be able to bring that information back. And OK, so in effective interviews, this is how people do effective interviews. Right. Um, I'm already I've already created, for example, a meetup group that I just created recently to do interviewing, to help people with interviewing, because, again, it's a skill. Absolutely. And so, it's not, not necessarily taught well, is it? Generally? No, yeah. because it's you only do it so much. And if you're really good at it, you don't do it very often. Right, exactly. Yeah. You get one <laughs> job and you're gone. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The worse you are, the more you do it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's going into it effectively. So I think for us being able to have that data, feed it back to the companies yeah. who have the money, 
who like they're the ones who should pay for stuff. Candidates should never pay to get a job. Mm. But you can pay to maybe increase your skill set or pay to, you know, just like education, you're going yeah. to school to make you a better person. That's fine. Uh, so I think we could bring it back more into training. Um, I also would like to have kind of recruiters, you know, hopefully we'll not displace too many of them, but if they do get displaced, uh, bring them on as more like trainers, mm. right? Like actually have one-on-one -on -one sessions. You know, they can then look at the data because right now you don't know how well people do on interviews, but we'll be able to know that. Mm. We'll know, hey, you know, you've done 15 interviews of the course of the last three months. Um, you are below average. Here's some of the generic feedback. We've rephrased this. So you don't know where it is or it's coming from, but you know, we've there's been feedback that maybe you're not presenting your strengths effectively enough. Yeah. Right. How do you get that now? doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Or it'd be rarely in the days when people phone people up yeah. after the interview and say, can I have some feedback? Yeah. People don't do that anymore. No. No, they don't. Right. And but I think, it'd be yeah. good as well. I mean, you could, I don't know, I don't want to sort of determine your product for you, but it's just sort of throwing ideas <laughs> yeah, out yeah, there please. for the future is that, you know, the feedback to the candidate is that they can then know, for example, like I did really well at this type of company and not so well at that type of company. It could be like size, stage of the company. Yeah. You know, some you you may do well in a, an early stage company where they may you know value certain skills. Yep. Whereas maybe in a more of a corporate, you didn't do so well because you know the way you came across, or you know, yeah. it's just some things you can't hide in the face to face. They said this guy more suited to you know more of a, a dynamic environment, for example. Definitely. So that would be good feed feedback because especially you know if you're going through the journey. I mean, I suppose as well. I mean, if you've left college and you're out there looking for work then you don't know what you're suited to. And if you're at a later stage and you have 20 years of experience, you mm -hmm. may be saying, I don't know necessarily where I fit in now. Yeah. That if I go out into the market, I haven't done a job interview for 10 years. <laughs> what am I good at? You know, yeah. where, do, where do people want me? Right? That'd I be think great feedback. It is a it's a great platform for them to do that too, right? It's a great platform for candidates to come on and, and, and interview. Mm. Simple as that, right? And and ideally, you're going to be filtered out if you're trying to apply for stuff that's nowhere near your skill set. But within our system, I, I can't go away too much, but the idea is that I don't want to eliminate people just because their most recent job isn't that. Mm. And you go and you look right now, and, and, and let's say you have a Java developer, she's out there, she's looking for a job, and um, her most recent job, though, was something else, like an iOS developer. A lot of these sites will just look at their most recent job. Yeah. They don't look at the entire person. We are. Right. And so we're trying to look holistically at the candidates. And I think that'll be a better system to look at them and say, okay, holistically, how do you fit into these jobs? Mm -hmm. And so that's where the machine learning things would come in later on as we can kind of, you know, pay for that uh, is to take these results and factor that back into how we're actually allocating them and scheduling them. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk Sorry, about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the future because we're going to talk about the, uh, we need to talk about the team just before we get there as well. Yeah. But then we we'll talk about where you are with your journey and your raise currently. Yeah. So I want to just quickly look at the team. I'm always curious where you meet, you know, where a team comes together. What's the story there? Because you, you've got a security background in there as well. Yeah. So, founders. so just to be fair, um, I, a lot of the builds being done by outsourced developers, right? Mm -hmm. So like I'm doing the product management role. So I'm actually on the phone with them very often uh, and, and working through these different things. So that's what I'm doing actively right now. Um, when it comes to team, I'm looking for actual team. This is These are my advisors and my my friends right. and people and mentors and people who are actually there to help me um, because they have different facets. So security, the cybersecurity aspect, that's what Sam, um, you know, that's kind of an area that I'm a little more familiar with, but he's much more of an SME in that. Mm. Um, and then Dominic is good for events. So he, he actually runs events right now. And, and so I think that gives me advice in how do you kind of get these events off the ground? How do you help plan for these events? How do you get people to attend these events? Mm -hmm. um, and then Cash is good with the legal side. So like, she 
you know, has her own company that she is kind of an outsourced legal provider um, for that. And and she helps with those kind of things like terms and conditions and, and different, you know, the the contracts. Uh, and then Nick is the recruiter. So um, Nick is actually, I think, someone that's the most applicable to this. Yeah. He now, knows what's broken. Yeah, he knows what's broken in his area of recruiting. So this this is going to be an effective tool for recruiters, for HR departments. Mm. But we honestly are focused more on the mid-tier to low-tier market, right? I think where recruiters can add a lot of value, like face-to-face recruiters, is the higher end and the special niche type areas. Mm. And so for them, they're commodities. So, um, you know, the, the the Weber Chase and the Newton Chase kind of brand there, they, they do commodities type recruiting. So they're in the financial markets. That type of recruiting, I don't think is ever going to truly be taken over by technology no. um, because it's all about the network and who you know. And and you already know that person typically before you talk with them. It's just, hey, let's go through this recruiter. Let's do it the right way. Yeah, the process. Um, and let's, they know they're looking. So um, those are the kind of my, you know, the people who are helping advise me on this. Mm. Obviously, there's other people like I have uh, mentors from different companies. So like Dertio from Elites, he's actually one of my mentors. He's very nice and very helpful. Um, it's given mm. some very good advice. Um, but for, for the build, you know, I'm using an outsource provider for that. Yeah. Um, and that's something I am very familiar with for working at other companies. Um, and even when I was in the Air Force and I was a program manager for a weapon system and, you know, I had 30 different developers that were working kind of underneath me. And so I got used to that. Right. Um, it's within th- your comfort zone. So let me. Yeah, please. So you, you are, you've bootstrapped up until this point. Yes. You bootstrapped the whole thing. <laughs> still smiling. But now you are going through a raise. Yes. Can you tell what's public? What, what are you looking for at the moment? Uh, so I'll, I can tell you. Um, so I'm looking to raise 200 US for about 18 months of runway is mm-hmm. the, the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to be focused on people and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously maintenance. You have to focus on maintenance of the build. And the enhancement idea, like we don't necessarily have. We have a roadmap. But the reality is over the next six to you know 18 months, the enhancements will come from the customers and from that, right? Because you don't know what you don't know yet. Mm. Um, and so some of that is allocated, you know, my budget that's allocated for some enhancements, some maintenance, but in general, it's going to be for people and, and marketing. Is it, you can still outsource a lot? Because, I mean, yes, I know you, you've, you've got um, the, the history in bootstrapping and yep. you're, you're a risk guy as well. So you obviously know how to sort of manage numbers and cash as well. Yep. So 200 for 18 months runway is, is pretty good deal yeah it is it's a very good so you must good be outsourcing deal. a lot or you must be keeping the overheads very low uh, I think it's multitasking mm. right so uh, multiple hats is something I always use in the military and I think mm. it's very applicable in startups uh, where you actually have to do multiple things so the person who is you know running marketing and trying to do that also is supporting during conferences also has to deal with companies and make sure they're getting what they need so I really kind of look at that role not just a marketing role or sales BD role it's more of a, a user acquisition and retention role like mm. that's someone I want to bring in as more of like a co-founder level, like a partner level. Mm. Um, and then underneath that, it's going to be the sales, the marketing, the BD. Uh, some of that can be outsourced, um, but I think it can be just managed more effectively. Um, you can use things like commission-based salespeople, like where they're, they have a base mm. plus commission, things like that to help cut some of your costs. Uh, and then then obviously just managing people and, and trying to bring on them, bring people on not just for the money, but people who have the passion, and then you can take care of them. Right. So your first hire would be the user acquisition growth ideally um if if you know it depends on the right person so i've met with multiple people from the sales bd type role you know put stuff on another competitor's sites and things like that to try to bring people on and i've met with them and um you know i'm in a kind of precarious situation right now until i do a raise it's an equity only kind of play right now right right so that's very hard to find 
anywhere, it's extremely hard to find in Asia because mm. um, people typically want money. And mm. I get it, uh, but it's but for someone who actually wants to get a nice chunk of the company and, and make this go, that's hard to find here. Right. So um, a co-founder, with co-founder what, what kind of background, what kind of... Do you want hard skills? Do you want an attitude that comes with it? Uh, well, I want a passion for genius, mm. right? Like you have to believe in the product, number one. Right. Do um, they have to come from that background? No, to, no, definitely not. Uh, I think sales BD, just like IT, is a very agnostic kind of background. Mm. If you're in IT, you can do IT in banking or finance or healthcare or whatever. I think sales and marketing also. Now, you do learn an industry and you maybe get set in a certain way, but that doesn't mean your basic skill set isn't there, right? Mm. Digital marketing is digital marketing, whether you're doing it for finance or for healthcare, it's just learning the product. Um, so I'm looking for someone who has a good people skills who can go out there and do sales and marketing on a very tight budget. <laughs> yeah, a hustler. <laughs> yes, a hustler. So I, I'm more of the, I, I would say they'd be the kind of the hustler. Um, I would say more of the the hipster. Right. Um, and I'm outsourcing the hacking. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think with that, I still have to do the hacking. Like I still have a, I have an engineering physics degree, so I have a technology kind of background. Yeah. Plus an MBA, so I'm still in the weeds. I'm doing some background stuff with Python, things like that on my own to try to support the thing. But um, you know, I, I, you can outsource hacking now. Mm. Like that's, I think, where the world is going. Uh, I think you need people, technology people, to be more visionaries and to understand the architecture and understand what we need to do. But the implementation itself, it's silly not to outsource it as long as you can manage your outsource provider mm. effectively, yeah. um, which I've been able to do. Mm. Um, but fundamentally, you're looking for somebody who can go out there, who can knock on doors, talk to people, drama interest, hustle, yes. Yes. you know, rain make, bring people in. <laughs> That's, yes. what, that's what you're yeah. looking for. Bring and candidates down. I, think, I yeah. think the most important thing right now is bringing on candidates. Right, rather so, than the clients? Uh, I, if you have candidates, the clients will come. Um, right. I have so. interested clients already. Um, I need candidates for a pool for them to actually be, you know, to right. come on. Okay. So I think most importantly, it's bringing on candidates. Uh, ideally, it's someone who maybe has had their first job or they've gone through maybe their third or fourth job. Yeah. Like, that's the range of the ideal candidate. Um, and then the three areas, if you look at my, my kind of market slide, the three areas would be kind of financial services, IT, hmm. that those kind of areas would, and professional services, right. things like the consulting companies. I think those three groups are really want to target first. Um, they're high turnover, but they're, they're also, I think, very good for this platform, uh, because this face-to-face is very important in those industries. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Fantastic. Blake, it's been a real privilege and I've really enjoyed talking to you and probably one of the longest pitch decks we've done as well. So it's (laughs) great. I mean, it's also a good sign. So what would be the preferred way to reach out to you? These could be people who could be potential early stage investors. It could be a potential co-founder or maybe a partner as well who okay. has access to those kind of candidates, how would you like them to make contact with you? So for the vast majority of them can go to the website, mm. which is HTTPS colon slash slash Janius, J-A-N-E-O-U-S.com. Uh, that's for any potential candidates. There's a place they can click and they can put some information in there. So they'll, if they upload their, their LinkedIn profile, like put their, their LinkedIn link or upload the resume, we'll make sure they have an account when the system launches. Mm-hmm. Same thing for companies. Um, if you're a recruiter or an HR department member, please go on there and sign up for that. If you're an investor or you're one of those people who want to reach out to me, uh, please just email me at Blake, B-L-A-K-E, at Janius.com. That's J-A-N-E-O-U-S.com. So Blake at Janius.com. Thank you. Excellent. We'll put all the details <laughs> in the show notes. And Blake, all the best with your journey. Um, we are at a quite an early stage in your yes. startup and it's, a, it's an exciting area to be in as well because, you know, with the right backing, the right team, um, 
well, you're in the right space because like we looked at those meta trends as well. Yes. And, you know, I'm a firm believer. I come from a marketing background, but I'm a firm believer that the future of marketing is in HR, which is quite controversial. But I think that, you know, to put people face to face in recruitment, that is the brand. You know, if you can get the right people on, the marketing and advertising of the business looks after itself. You know, if you get great people, you know, that all falls into place. So I'm watching your progress with a lot of interest. So, you know, I appreciate it. Great for you to come on today. Let's get you back on in the future as well. Let's get a, a you know an update six months down the line. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, things are going to change. You know, yes. You'll pivot. You know, you'll you'll evolve. You'll learn things. Yes. But you know, you you'll be in the same direction. But you know, you will have picked up a lot of information along the way. So please come back and share that with us. I would. Thank you very much for having me, Graham, and thanks to the staff and everything that's here. Excellent. Helpful. Great to have you. That's Blake Hawkins, Trommenhauser, everybody. You put all the details in the show notes. Thanks a lot today, Blake. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.